Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. Lockett is back in the game, slot on the left side. Jimmy Graham standing up, tight end on the right. Russell empty back here, awaiting the snap from Justin Britt. He takes it. Four-man rush, steps up, throws inside. It's caught. Paul Richardson, touchdown, Seahawks on a beautiful slant route. And Russell drove that ball into number 10. You know, I think for us it really just comes down to execution and not trying to get too complicated. You know, really just trying to come execute one play at a time. I think, you know, I, I, I take a lot of ownership in it too as well. You know, you really want to play great early on and, and just um, making sure that we find a way to do that. So the Seahawks are 1-2 and two and return to CenturyLink Field for a Sunday night showdown against the Indianapolis Colts, the Andrew Luckless. Indianapolis Colts will be starting Jacoby Brissett and the Seahawks are big favorites in what seems to be a get right game for this Seattle squad. Alongside Brian Perkins, I'm Drew Danubi on the Game Plan Podcast, 1029thegame.com. Would you call a one and two start unimpressive so far for the Seahawks? Uh, yes. It has to be, right? Yes. Even the win was like a pretty shoddy win. <laughs> yeah, it was. And to start the year, I think that you and I had them with a good chance to go undefeated into the bye week. Mm-hmm. You know, just, I mean, you know, losing to Green Bay, so maybe one loss. And obviously, the way things have transpired, the offense has not gotten going uh, quick enough in games, and it's really hurt them, um, especially when it's 100 degrees outside and your defense is on the field uh, far too often and breaks down late in the game. So I would say it's been a disappointing start to the year. With that being said, I don't think it's like a, a panic situation, if that makes sense. No, Andrew Luck. This game has lost a lot of its luster. That, I know. That NBC is prob- was probably salivating when they made this. You know, Luck versus Wilson, same draft, all this debate about who's better. Then he doesn't play. Nothing. Um, so there's not going to be very many people watching this game. Seattle really should blow Indianapolis out. But we argue they probably should have done that to the 49ers as well and weren't able to. I still feel pretty confident that this should be a comfortable Seattle victory Perkins, but what does that mean? Bigger picture. They're going to be two and two, most likely moving forward the rest of the way. And then going to Los Angeles to take on the Rams next week and then getting the bye week being three and two at the bye, probably not where they wanted to be, but pretty good chance where, where that could ultimately end up. Do you think they can go two and own the next two weeks versus the Colts and at the Rams? Oh yeah. Don't you, don't you feel good about that? Cause um, I definitely do. When I, when I think about that record. Now, the Rams are on offense better than I think we thought they would be. Uh, Todd Gurley's playing well. The offensive line is blocking. Jared Goff seems to be finding his comfort zone on the field. But the defense for the Rams, not exactly uh, lights out, right, with the way that they've been playing. So I do think that both of those games are very winnable um, and not something that I think, you know, we as a fan base should be panicking about. And remember, remember the 2014 season? Oh yeah. They start out 3 and 1 and they lose two straight. They're 500 after the first, you know, 7 weeks of the season because they had their bye week so early. You know, I I think that we just need to chill a little bit <laughs> here um when it comes to the panic level. Obviously this team has some major flaws that they need to figure out, but I would feel pretty good right now saying that I think Seattle will be above 500 going into the bye week. We didn't get a chance to uh talk on Monday after the Seahawks and Titans game. Overall from that one, I mean I don't even know where you start. Gosh, it's a bizarre game flow for one, right? 9-7 at half. Felt a lot like every blade of grass counted, every single field goal counted, and it was going to be that low-scoring affair won by the defense. 
And then things just got crazy in the second half. The field opened wide up. Some great play calls by Tennessee. But ultimately, how surprising was it to see Seattle's defensive line pushed around as much as they were in that second half? I don't think I've seen anything like that. And I understand multiple factors are involved in that. One being the humidity and the weather and the number of plays. But goodness, you parlay that rush defense in the second half with the rush defense against Carlos Hyde the week prior. And all of a sudden... You, there's an argument that there's some actual issues with the run run defense. Seattle's averaging almost allowing almost five and a half yards per carry on average yeah. through the first three weeks, which is worse in the NFL. I mean, that's, that's not good. Amazing. I know that's incredible when you think about it. Last year they averaged three point two or three point three yards per carry. It's it's two almost exactly uh, more yards per carry, which is a lot. Like two yards is a huge difference when you're talking the run game. So. Um, obviously the majority of that comes from explosive plays. Like if you take out the Carlos Hyde run and the two big runs that Tennessee had one from Derrick Henry, one from DeMarco Murray, that number goes down significantly, but you still allowed those plays and explosive plays oftentimes make or break football games. And I think in that game, you saw that the disappointing thing, I think, first of all, the weather did play a factor similar to, I think San Diego a few years ago, Seattle's offense you know, not being able to get going. Neither offense really were, but, you know, I think that that really wore them down in the second half. You know, eventually you're going to tire out in that type of weather. Tennessee's offensive line is very good, which is, I'm happy to see because as a Marcus Mariota fan that he's getting the protection he needs. Um, He's in a good spot. But there is so much money invested in that defensive line. You know, you look at the lack of offensive line um, investment in, you know, in the Seattle front office, and then they bring in Sheldon Richardson and, you know, you have Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill, guys that you've re-upped recently, and you have so much money and pieces and draft picks and all these things put into that line, and you can't freaking get to the quarterback or stop the run. And I know it's just one game, but it's really frustrating because it there was. is a, you know, that's where they put, you know, they tied their their horses to this year was, look, maybe the offense isn't going to be great, but the defense will be lights out and give us opportunities. That was the team's mindset, right? That hasn't happened yet. There was no pressure on Mariota basically all game long. Two pressures the entire game. No sacks. Two I mean, pressures. That's that's just Tennessee's offensive line is not that good to where you shouldn't be. I mean, Seattle's defensive line should be the best in football. It really should. And yeah, that was week one. It was probably their worst <laughs> performance in a long, long time that I can remember. Um, between that and. Let's stick on that game for a little bit longer. What did you make of Seattle's ability to start moving the football and score, even though it came in most situations they were down by two scores, just kind of scratching and clawing for their life? It was still good to see them move the football. It was. I'm just not sure what to take away from it. Is it sustainable? Is it not? Or is it just the result of being behind and being more urgent, to be honest with you? And it's been such a weird year offensively because the offensive line has been bad. I think they were better at times during that game. Um, but you still look, he was pressured. Russell was on like 44% of his dropbacks. So even though maybe it looked like it was better in general, it still was not good. No, it was even the throws that he got off and the throws he made that were caught. He was getting smacked. He was. He was getting hit. Hard. Only one sack, but he was getting smacked. They, they've got to find a way to get him it, you know, on fire early in that game. Because it seems like with Wilson... There were a lot of things that went wrong in that game. Mm-hmm. The offensive line was bad. 
Russell Wilson was not good in the first half pretty much at all until that final drive in the first half, right? He was airing out throws. He was throwing high. A lot of missed opportunities for him. And then receivers were dropping damn footballs. It was crazy. It was Nothing was working offensively. It was very frustrating. And then he started just throwing only a Doug Baldwin, it felt like, and a little bit of Jimmy Graham in there, too. And things started to click a little bit offensively, and he finally kind of found his groove. I, I, I got to tell you, the first quarter and a half, I was wondering if he was like injured or something. I think a lot of people were because he threw high in the last game. He was throwing high in this game. You know, his motion, his throwing motion looked a little different. And it was just kind of like, what is going on? You know, this is not the guy that we have come to 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 see the last few seasons. It seemed like he was really coming into his own. Missing a throw here or there happens to everybody. But the number of throws he was missing. But then, obviously, he seemed to really catch fire and uh, make big plays late. I, I don't know what to make of it, though. What do you make of it? Do well, you do you read anything into it? Yeah, I, I wanted to. You know, I really did. He went 29 of 49. 49 pass attempts last week. That's a lot. Um, he, he ran the ball nicely, 7 for 26. Four touchdown passes, and some of those were dimes. The Doug Baldwin catch in the corner. Holy oh. cow. So, like... Clutch. That's one of those catches that's like incredible, but I didn't think it was a catch. Like when you, right? He's like, "There's no way that his feet were inbounds." I said, "Possession of the ball." I'm a Seahawk fan. They're going to overturn that. <laughs> that. That was kind of my thought process. We got to see how healthy Doug is moving forward, because if there's any time where his value is so important, it's this season. I feel like in a season where Russell is not going to have time to throw the ball the time that he does have, he'll have to create outside the pocket. His best target is going to be someone he trusts. Who does he trust the most? Clearly. By far, Doug Baldwin. So this is such an important season, I think, for Doug. And I had a feeling that Doug was going to have a big game on Sunday, just matchups with the Titans secondary and what have you. He's got not only the intellectual capacity to run really smart and good routes, and they're rarely miscommunicating. You know, Wilson and Richardson might miscommunicate, but Wilson and Baldwin, I feel like, rarely do. Um, So he had a groin injury, right? So he leaves the game early. So I want to see how Baldwin, if he even plays this week, or if they're just going to maybe be cautious with him moving forward. Um, Jimmy Graham comes relatively alive now again. This is here's my kind of philosophy with the Seattle offense. And I kind of identify with with this just individually, too. You know, you procrastinate on an assignment or a paper. All of a sudden, it's due in one hour, and you've got three pages to write. You zone the F in and finish that. Yeah. Because you're desperate. If, you're, if your wrist is bleeding or something, and, and, like, you're starting to pass out, like, you're f- frantically trying to stop the bleeding and find a way to survive and, and stay healthy. That's the Seattle offense. But when they're just operating under their normal kind of day-to-day malaise, their normal flow. There is no urgency. There is no edge. There is no high level of execution. It's a problem to me when your highest level of execution is when you're absolutely desperate. They're still performing at a high level, but at times where they're desperate, not times where they're supposed to be coming at it from a position of strength. Does that make sense? It, do you agree it does. With that? It does. And it's great that you have a quarterback that thrives on adversity, right? Like he, it's great that you have a guy that late in games you trust that he can go make the play, right? They, that they can make a play when it matters. But at the same time, you need to get going earlier. You I mean, this is getting to. ridiculous, yeah. and I, and it's it's happened for years, but it feels even worse. Basically, 2015 to now, the the starts of games, it has been a huge problem for them, and it has done them in in the postseason. So, uh, 
at some point, you have to find a way. I don't know what, you know, once again, this is what Daryl Bevel and Pete Carroll get paid the big bucks to do, but you have to find a way to get Wilson going early. He's getting paid 20 plus million dollars a year. He's the guy you pitched your wagons to. He's your playmaker. You have to get him going early. You have to get this offense in rhythm early. I am n- I'm not on the fire Bevel hashtag group as far as like I don't identify myself with that camp. That being said, at some point, results are indicative of whether or not you're being successful or not successful. Results right now in the Seattle offense, say what you want about the offensive line, say what you want about the running backs, whatever. The results indicate that Daryl Bevel is not doing a very good job. That's just objective truth. The more and more I see this team, and if they continue these, especially these slow starts where you get to script your offensive game plan, right? And you're not executing to start the game. I think the urgency has to be there on Daryl Bevel's job status. I'm not saying fire Bevel, but I'm saying if this year is very important for him, I don't think he should be feeling comfortable about where he's at. And I was looking up his salary and contract situation right now. Not exactly sure where that is. But big picture, you can't afford to have Russell Wilson in his prime years and still have the offensive results that Seattle is putting forward. You can't. You're wasting the guy. You know, and part of it's on Schneider and Pete, right, with their philosophy of the offensive line and Tom Cable not getting the best out of his guys. But you can't just keep rolling out the same philosophy that hasn't been working and have it still come up short. So as I step away and say big picture, Daryl Bevel has got to be feeling the heat, man. Like, he is not doing a good job. The results show it. I agree. And I even, and I know it's it's kind of hard to compare one team to another, but you look at the Packers last night playing the Bears. I know the Bears aren't very good, but look at their offensive line. Completely patchwork. Like, you have, both of your guards are injured. Both you have tackles. Backups, yeah. Both tackles are injured, excuse me. And yet they were still able to click and move the ball offensively. Now, Aaron Rodgers is, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the NFL by far. Mm-hmm. And that makes a huge difference, right? When you have a guy that is Aaron, I mean, he is a transcendently good player. Um, but that being said, I, 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 the offensive line to me has become like a crutch and almost an excuse all the time. Like, right. and you see these other teams that have injuries on the offensive line and have their tackles go down and they're still able to move the ball and find success. Yet Seattle isn't, it's kind of at this point, like guys, I, that's not an excuse anymore. You got to find a way to get it done. Get creative. This is what you're paid to do. Find a way to move the ball. And even it's, it's funny because even at the end of the first half, they get down the field and score. They score too fast. It's funny. It's just funny because the offensive, the offense wasn't doing anything. They get inside this the ten yard line, pass, 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 touchdown. They leave enough time for the for the Titans to go down and kick a field goal. So just a little frustrating, even with the clock management on the times they did find success right. to um, to allow the Tennessee plenty. And it wasn't like it was twenty seconds left, and Tennessee had a hail mary. They you know got there in time. Tennessee had time to drive down the field and and make an attempt to score. So. That was even frustrating a little bit to me. Um, the clock management at the end of the half. So there, there's a lot of hitches right now in Seattle's offense. And what happened in the second half, I need to see it happen, you know, when you're not down two scores and Tennessee's defense is, you know, maybe trying not to just give up a big play and giving more cushion. And it could, you know, you could see that as early as Sunday night. You know, the defense is going to be feeling good, right? They're going to have to feel an edge to resolve some issues from the week prior. National stage, stage is set to dominate. Um, 
it kind of has a similar vibe to the Sunday night football game with Carolina in early December last year when Earl broke his leg. But that was a double-digit Seattle. I think Seattle was favored by eight. And it was, you could tell, you could feel that they were going to, they were riding, they were about to right the ship. It was right after the Green Bay game, I want to say, or right before the Green Bay game, maybe. But um, they were looking to respond to some adversity coming home, primetime stage against a banged up Panther team, and they blew them out. Just blew them out. I could see something similar happening this Sunday, like a 42 to 10 type uh, feel for the game. But um, just from an overall, real quick before we leave the offense, this Pete Carroll run the ball first, pass the ball opportunistically, win with your defense. That philosophy, does any part of that do you think need to be altered given the current personnel? I was going to say that's a great philosophy when you have offensive linemen and special running backs. I don't think Seattle has either of those. Now, I like Carson. I don't think, I mean, the guy's a freaking undrafted rookie. I mean, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know what you can expect from him. I, this isn't Marshawn Lynch. You don't have, you know, is, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Russell Okung ain't walking through that door. You Unbelievable. <laughs> JR Squeezy ain't I mean, walking through that door. Seattle's left tackle, according to Pro Football Focus, and this is kind of a grain of salt a little bit because their ratings to me are somewhat controversial, but ranked last out of 72 left tackles. 72 of 72. Controversial or not, that means they're bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not like he's like well, he's the really worst number one. Or third to worst. Yeah. So he's I mean down there. it's really bad. And so I, I do think that you have to change your philosophy a little bit, you know. I get that you know you know what works. You've had success. You've won a Super Bowl with with your philosophy, but you do not have the personnel right now to to keep doing what you're doing. It's you just don't. not working. No. At the same time, I feel like if there's any team you wanted to establish the run against and then dominate <laughs> off that, it's probably the Indianapolis Colts at home. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at some of the successful drives, like the the drive with the Carson touchdown, I mean, Carson had runs on that drive. I think he had a 10-yard run, yeah. a 7-yard run, two, a couple runs of 5 yards or more. So, I mean, they, they were able to kind of get things going with the run and it set things up better. Well, everybody wants to be able to do that, yeah. But I'm saying they were able to. Mm-hmm. But once again, you know, it's it's hard to... That game is it was so strange that I want to see if the offense really starts clicking against Indianapolis. And I know the Colts aren't any good, but if they can at least play well against a bad team, it gives you some hope, right? It does. It does. All right, let's pick these games. Uh, Saints in Miami in London, six thirty a.m. Pacific time. Is this one of those streaming Yahoo sports games? Uh, sports yeah. Ball? This is a. No, it's on Fox. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Saints are a three-point favorite. Uh, I did not, everybody picked the Dolphins last week in their eliminator at the Jets, and I was like, why are you betting on Jay Cutler? Just why? Just don't do it. So, I'll take the Saints. Big win last week on the road at Carolina. I think they keep up the, that momentum against Miami. Yeah, you give me Drew Brees all day over smoking Jay. Bills and Falcons. Falcons an eight-point home favorite. This is a good one. Buffalo actually is playing some really nice defense. They didn't let Carolina score a touchdown week two. They just beat the Broncos 26-16. I think they cover the eight in Atlanta. I like that a lot. I'll take Atlanta to win, though. They're, they're a little too good for me to uh, pass them up. Although the Bills indoors will be fun to watch. We'll see. You and I are kind of simpatico here early because I agree. Atlanta's offense has looked fine, but not like it did last year, right, by any stretch, the first three games of the season. So, right. Sarkeesian you know, in and Shanahan out. You're going up against a tough a tough defense you know, in Buffalo. But I still think that the Falcons, you know, at home, I don't know. I just think it's too much. Mm-hmm. I think they get the win. 
0-3 Bengals, 0-3 Browns in Cleveland. You know what? Give me the Browns. Give me the Bengals. Rams and Cowboys. Couple of 2-1 and teams in Dallas. Oh, this is a Wade Phillips return game. Ooh. <laughs> DC, the I'll Rams. Take the, uh, I'll take Rams. the Cowboys. I'll also take the Cowboys. They're 6 and I think it's going to be a good game, though. I think that's going to be a close game. Jared Goff is not bad. No, and Dallas' defense is not good. Yeah. Demarcus Lawrence is good. Yes. <laughs> but everywhere else, <laughs> yeah, something to be desired there. But I like what Sean McVay is doing with Jared Goff. Here's a good one. NFC North. Vikings have been very impressive. Now, they didn't have uh, Sam Bradford each of the last two weeks. but And they've still played well. And they've still played well. Got a big win at home against Tampa Bay last week. Stephon Diggs making some plays. Shout out. Fantasy? Fantasy, baby. Very nice. I meant to bench him and I forgot. <laughs> well, I'm very thankful. You know, I've had a lot of injuries on my fantasy team this year. David Johnson, do IR. I had uh, Allen Robinson. Mm. Uh, I had Darren Sproles. Not that I was playing him, but now he's gone for the year. Had a lot of little nicks and, and what have you. But I won my matchup last week <clears throat> by just enough points. The guy I was playing had Stafford and Tate. And if that last play would have been called a touchdown, I would have lost. <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> and instead, they squeaked out a, a win. They, huh? Yeah, somehow I, it got overturned. So I'm very thankful for that. But it's the Lions and Vikings in Minnesota. Great football game here. Minnesota, two point home favorite. No Sam Bradford. Um, Case Keenum playing well, but Case Keenum. Yeah, I feel like Case Keenum's going to turn into Case Keenum, though. Just when? Maybe. That me, Vikings defense is legit too. They're really good, right? Still, I'm, give me Detroit. All right, I I'll, think Detroit's going to win. I'll take Minnesota. It's going to be a good game. Yeah, Panthers and Patriots. Panthers offense, a lot going wrong with. Yeah, that. I was going to say, talk about Seattle. My goodness, Cam. I don't know. He's not playing well. He's certainly not 100 percent healthy. Patriots. What a game with Houston last week. Oh my gosh, Brandon Cooks, Oregon State guy, two touchdowns, including that last one. Brady. On fire, but the Pats defense is like, what's going on? Is Brady thrown for like a thousand yards the last two weeks? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Nine point favorite, Pats, Panthers. I mean, I'll take New England. Yeah, I'll take New England as well. Jaguars and Jets. Jaguars. I'll take the Jags. Steelers and Ravens. Would and that Baltimore. put the Jags at three and one if they win that game? Yeah. With their only <laughs> loss being a blowout loss to the Titans at home. Three and one Jags. Dude's London. Flacco. What the hell? Steelers, Ravens, and Baltimore. This is an interesting matchup. Mm -hmm. I I still think that the Steelers are going to win, though this being a road game, I feel like that's going to be a... I'm sounding like an idiot right now. I I, I feel like the Steelers are a little bit different on the road than they are at home. Mm. Hashtag analysis. Hashtag breakdown. Hashtag hot take. Hashtag life. Give me the Steelers. <laughs> I'll take Baltimore. Whenever I take Baltimore, I say bye, Justin Tucker. Field you think goal. Elite Joe Flacco uh, gets it done, huh? Uh, I hope they play Mallet. Titans and Texans in Houston. Um, I'll take the Titans because I'm rooting for them. It's, it's hard not to root for them. Beat, beat Seattle and have the best human being in the NFL. I'm going to take the Titans. Niners and Cardinals in Arizona. Arizona seven point favorite. Be on the lookout, Arizona. I was going to say this. This seemed like before the season probably a slam dunk, but I, I'm going to pick Arizona 
but I do think that not, I would not be surprised. I'm not trying to hedge my bets here. I'm going to pick Arizona, but I think it's going to be a close game. And I don't. I'm not feeling confident about this at all. Every so often, you see a team go in there and get a big win. Rams have done that in the past. Well, and they're they're not very good. They're not like very the Cardinals good. are not a good team. The Niners plus seven. I would look into that for sure. Yeah, Hoyer has to take care of the football because if he turns it over, that defense is really good, right? Still, they're still really good. Maybe well, they're secondary. You could, too you could see is, a pick six. And yeah, then, you know, if yeah. You're not careful. Yeah. Eagles Chargers. You, you take the Cardinals too in that one. Sorry. You know what? I'll take the Niners. I'll okay. call the upset. I'll go with the Niners. Uh, Chargers, Eagles in L.A. Chargers are a point and a half point favorite, even though the Eagles are two and one. Like, would you ever bet on the Chargers in a one score game <laughs> at this point? <laughs> I mean, you have yourself to blame if you do. Um, isn't this isn't this a classic Chargers <laughs> win game though? Yeah, isn't this? yeah, it is. It's a tough one for the Eagles, but I still like Philly. I really like Philly. They were my pick to win the division, so. Well, I'll take the char- I'll take the Chargers though. Oh damn it! All right, but I was you, gonna pick the Chargers, but I, I think I'm gonna go. I thought I was giving you the cop out because you didn't want to take Bolo. Well, I you know I don't think Bolo. All right, all right I'll take the Eagles. <laughs> That's how close I am on this, but I'll take yeah, the Eagles. I, will, I like them better. Okay, I was I was just gonna go wherever you weren't, but I'll so I'll take the Chargers. You know, Come. the home field advantage is huge for them. <laughs> Stop! <up. laughs> That's where they play. Uh, Giants Bucks. Giants are zero three. What a game last week, Philly, New York. Oh, my gosh. 61 Crazy. freaking yard field goal. Are you kidding me? Jake Elliott. Go. By the way, football, everyone was saying NFL has been a bad product. Last weekend was fantastic. Especially the 10 a.m. games were nuts. Ugh. And Packers-Bengals going to OT. Yeah. Um, Giants-Bucks, this is a rematch of the 2007 wildcard game. <laughs> I'm sure that's what they are all thinking about. That's when Jeff Garcia was a Bucks quarterback. <laughs> And the Giants would go on to beat the Pats in the Super Bowl. I'll take uh, the Buccaneers to win at home, though. Yeah, same here. Raiders-Broncos, AFC West rivalry in Denver. Denver, a a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. Raiders, what the hell was that last Sunday night in Washington? Barely got 100 yards of offense. Um, I'll take Denver by a field goal. I'll take the Raiders. I think they bounce back. Monday night football, Redskins and Chiefs. Washington, (laughs) two-and-one. You know, got a big road win over the Rams. Nice home win over Oakland last week. Barely lost to the Eagles the week before. Chiefs might be the best team in football so far. Kareem Hunt, a 50-plus yard touchdown in each of his first three games in the league. Tyreek Hill make a place. Kareem. Defense might make a place. <laughs> I see you. Monday night at Arrowhead, 3-0 Chiefs, 2-1 Redskins. You just trust the Chiefs more in this spot. Especially I'm, at home. Especially at home. I'll take Kansas. I mean, you talk about home field advantage for the Seahawks. I mean, the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Chiefs winning in Foxborough week one of the season was probably the most impressive road win by any team so far. Redskins winning in Kansas City, I think that'd be more impressive. Yeah, I don't I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think so either. Also, yeah, I'm, I'll take, give me the Chiefs. And honestly, for Washington, it wouldn't be an end-all, be-all. You know, losing an interconference matchup on the road is not the end of the world. Right. So give me the give me the Chefs. All right, Colts Seahawks 5:30 Sunday night on NBC. Seattle is a 13-point favorite. The over/under is 41 and a half. Give me the Seahawks and give me the over. Um, I, I this is very similar to the Carolina game. That's the same game dynamic that I'm feeling. I think it's going to be a get-right game for Seattle, but we're still going to be talking about some issues that they have to deal with ahead of the Rams game in the week following. Uh, I'll take Seattle to win this game, uh, 34 to 10. I was going to say 34-13. 
Great minds. <laughs> so I'll still say that. 34-13. You had the Titans last week. We both did. I picked the oh, Seahawks. Oh, you picked the Seahawks. I? Yes, I picked the Titans. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I think you're up on me in the uh, Seahawks pick them. Yeah, because you and I agreed week one and two. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm still up in my eliminator pool, though. I had the Eagles over the Giants. <laughs> nice. Oh, you're probably nervous, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I, uh, yeah. I think Seattle, once again, I agree with you on all of those. I think they cover the spread. I think it's an over. And I think that they finally, I think that early on, Seattle offensively is going to play well. Yeah. I don't know necessarily like opening drive, but I think that they have a touchdown in the first quarter. And I think the defense comes out firing. I think that. You know, I like Brissett, by the way. I, 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 like I don't him think too, he's a yeah. great quarterback by any means, but I do think that they're going to put themselves in positions to get a few scores in this game. Let, I don't want to have a big play to T.Y. Hilton would be my secondary goal. Don't let T.Y. Hilton beat you for a 60-yard touchdown. That's hard because he does it to a lot of teams, and he had another one last week. He had like 160 yards. Of- he had a big one against Seattle in uh, 2013, didn't he? Yeah, I was there. Um, Shut him down. Like Earl and Cam have a really good game. That's what I'm looking for. I mean, if you want to talk about who's the better quarterback, you know, Andrew Luck's one and zero in head-to-head matchups. Come on, Russ. <laughs> <laughs> all right, for Brian Perkins, I'm True Danubi. We'll see you all again on Monday. Gameplay Podcast 1029 The Game.